the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Are you able to think independently no matter what is going on in your life? Or do you find yourself believing that you're a victim of circumstance? Do you look outside for external validation or to derive pleasure? Today's guest, Michael Bernard Beckwith, says that you have the ability to create inner conditions that will enable you to grow, expand, thrive, and express your highest potential and grander vision for your life. According to Michael, the answer is you. Michael is the founder and spiritual director of the Agape International Spiritual Center and author of Life Visioning and Spiritual Liberation. He's appeared on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, The Dr. Oz Show, and in his own PBS special, The Answer Is You. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us today. Joan, it is my joy to be with you and everyone who is listening. So, Michael, I want to begin our discussion with an example that I've heard you share because I think it illustrates what we're going to discuss today. And I think it provides a clear picture that everyone can relate to. So this is the story of the rose seed. The rose seed spends days, weeks, or months in a packet or in someone's pocket, or it may blow in the wind for a period of time. Then one day... The seed lands in the perfect environment. It has the right conditions. There's fertile soil, proper nutrition, sunlight, rain, and and from that right condition, the seed thrives and grows into a beautiful rose bush. Michael, that story, I believe, illustrates what happens in our life because, as you said, we all have seeds within. We have goals and dreams and visions and desires, and those seeds, when they're met with the right conditions, can grow as well. Now, we have these seeds. But many people use reasons for why they don't grow. They say they're victim of circumstance. They may have the wrong family or maybe a limited education. And and you know, the list goes on. And these are stories that we tell ourselves. It's what keeps us from thriving. So why do you believe we keep those stories alive? Why do we keep repeating them to ourselves? This is... uh... A powerful question and when people understand that they're addicted to the story they tell themselves, that they're addicted to their, their historical self, the things that have happened to them, their interpretation of what has happened, that ultimately becomes excuses, perceptions, and the filters by which they view life from. And when individuals actually produce certain toxic chemicals, when they retell the story over and over and over again, and they become addicted to those chemicals and the state that they're producing. Now, just as that seed is magnificent, and it's only searching for a proper condition to evolve, we are a perfect spiritual idea held in the mind of the infinite. And we have the capacity to create the right condition for our potential to unfold. But we have to give up the story of shame and blame. We have to give the story of they did it to me. We have to give the story of give up the story of being a victim. And we have to begin to embrace that there's a part of us that has never been hurt, harmed, or endangered in any way. It doesn't have any history whatsoever. And the only identity that it has is light and luminosity of infinite potential. We begin to bump into that part of ourselves as little pinpricks of light. And we're able to break free from the story. Now, people are afraid to break free from the story because that's the only identity they know. They know these things happened to them and And that became their identity. But there's a greater identity. 
an eternal identity that people are afraid to come into contact with because the part of us that has been deemed the protector of our identity, the ego, doesn't want us to flee from that limited point of view. When you start to flee from that limited point of view, all heaven breaks out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Things begin to be calamitous in our life. Now, Michael, the terms indigenous versus endogenous, how do they relate to our life? Well, there's three words, indigenous, exogenous, and endogenous. Indigenous, we all know about indigenous plants, like a palm tree, as an example, is indigenous to warm weather, sunshine. It wouldn't flourish in Antarctica. Exogenous means that our life, our environment is determined from outside of ourselves, and endogenous means that we create our own inner climate and our own inner condition. Now, as spiritual beings having a human incarnation, we are, in, we are endogenous, which means we have the capacity to create our own environment for that seed of excellence to grow. So it means that we're no longer allowing the external world to pull us around like a rag doll or a puppet. We no longer live in reaction to the external world of appearances. We are endogenous, which means that we can become quiet, we can begin to visualize, we begin to practice life visioning, we begin to study, we begin to write out our calling, our dreams, our visions. We can begin to create an inner environment so strong that it becomes stronger than the external pulls on us that wants to pull us into mediocrity, pull us into worry, doubt, and fear. We create our own environment from within ourselves. Now, right there, people can catch that. They can immediately begin to come out of being a victim of circumstance. Immediately they can begin to say, you know what? I create my own inner environment. I'm going to wake up and leap into joy and gratitude and then watch how my life begins to change. You know, Michael, everything that you just described, I learned that the hard way and I learned it firsthand. I had this life one day and the next day it was gone. And from that was the seed that we talked about. Everything I'm doing today is from that place that I was. It all grew from there. And I've learned that there are blessings and opportunities and challenges. And as I said, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if, if I hadn't experienced that loss. But when we're in that survival mode and we're sometimes literally fighting for our life, just struggling to hang on for the next moment, how do we find those blessings? What advice do you offer to help someone move through these challenges and emerge stronger and wiser? Right. We, we, we don't say that it's easy. We say that it's simple. And so if, if a person, when they begin to try this as a practice, if they begin to wake up, and the moment they put their feet on the ground and they take a breath and they begin to think to themselves, I'm grateful to be alive and I'm grateful that all of my needs are met. For that particular moment, all of your needs are met because that's all that you need at that particular moment. And that begins to become habitualized within us. Then the, our perception of life begins to change. And we go through, I teach three stages. The first stage is we just see the world as, as it is described to us by the mass media. Lack, limitation, fear, doubt, worry, bigotry, hate, wars, mass incarceration, terrorism. There's all kinds of stuff that go on in that particular world as it's described by the media. And people agree and experience that. But something begins to happen when you begin to move into a sense of gratitude, you begin to see the world differently. That's stage two. You see opportunities. You start to see possibilities. You start to see your assignment. Like, what is it that's mine to do in this world that I'm now beginning to see differently? As you continue to walk in that direction with high praise for every breath that you take, so the feeling tone that you're carrying is all of my needs are met. Then you move into the third stage. You begin to see a different world. First, you see the world as it appears to be. Secondly, you see the world differently. Opportunities, possibilities, potential. And then thirdly, you actually begin to see a different world. There's a different world that's been overlaid by the filters of humanity. And people experience those filters. You actually see the world that is held in the mind of the infinite. And then you're pulled by that world. And you ask the question, what am I about to say, what am I about to do? Is it represent the new world that I'm beginning to see? Or is it the same old, same old from the world of effects? Poor me, not good enough, unworthy, there's not enough. And with practice, we're able to stabilize in the last two stages, seeing the world differently and living in a different world. And miracles begin to take place in our life. And so if someone's struggling, their back is against the wall, one has to stop 
find one thing to be grateful for and let that feeling become big. And then the law will wrap itself around that feeling and opportunities will shortly follow. So, Michael, we're doing all of this internal work and, and we're getting our head in the game, so to speak. And then all of a sudden, somebody on the outside says something to to put you down or to tell you why you can't do it. So all this work that you do on the inside, in a moment, it feels like it could be ripped away from you with just one comment from someone who is telling you why you can't dream big. So what do you advise that we do to shelter ourselves or to shield ourselves from that type of external negativity? We have to become aware that the closer you get to making a sacred vow for your own excellence, the haters will show up. Mediocrity always attacks excellence. And whenever you become close to breaking free from your paradigm, then they show up because you make people uncomfortable because you are leaving the comfort zone and the convenience zone that most people are living in. And so they unconsciously feel that you're about to leave them. And so they attack. But really unconsciously, they're just afraid you're going to leave them. And so the closer you get to excellence, the more and more people talk about you. They only attack someone that's on the move, that's trying to do something with their life. And so when that begins to happen, you have to say to yourself, the temporal self or the historical self, it creates a false god by creating happiness by what other people think about him or her. You know, those people, if they love me, I'm happy. If they don't love me, I'm sad. Well, you just made those people false gods. And the moment that they begin to turn on you, your god, your whole world has fallen apart. So you have to develop a relationship with yourself. And you have to win every argument with your mind about the excellence that's trying to happen, the, the genius that's trying to unfold, so that you become, after a while, unconcerned about what others are thinking about you. I've been speaking with Michael Bernard Beckwith. If you would like to get more information about Michael or his work, you can visit michaelbernardbeckwith.com or agapilive.com. Michael, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What do you want to leave our listeners with? One of the things that um, you brought up um, in your original questions that you sent was um, we're not here, as I like to say, we're not here to get or to get it. We're here to learn it. Now, when you begin to share vibrationally, that you're not here to get anything from the world because the world doesn't have anything for you. You're here to give your gifts to the world. You're here to shine your light. You're here to allow your genius to unfold so that you can activate your gifts, talents, and capacities and to share them. Now, when you become very wholehearted that you're here to share, that you're here to give your gifts, you're here to shine, you're beginning with the premise that I have something. If you feel that you have something, the universe responds to that and more is given. If you feel you're in lack, then that which you have is taken away because you're using the law in reverse. And so if you wake up and you say to yourself, I'm not here to get anything from the world, but I'm sure here to get something. I'm, here sh I'm sure here to shine. I'm sure here to let that which is within me as an endogenous being to flow. Great things begin to happen. And so I, I want everyone to know that they are significant. They have meaning for the presence of God has never made a meaningless act. They are unique. And in that uniqueness, they have a mandate to uncover discover, activate their gifts, and to share them, and to claim the good life, the prosperous life, the philanthropic life, the entrepreneurial life, the creative life, claim it, and the universe will open up doors that you don't even know are there. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us today. What you teach truly transforms lives, and, and this knowledge gives us tools to tap into what already exists within us. What we forget is there, and it enables us to own our power and live to our potential. So it's been a joy having you here. Thank you so much. It is my absolute joy to be with you. And God bless everyone listening. And don't give up. Keep growing. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. 
Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. Hi, doctor. Hey, freelancer. Hi there, business owner. Today's world has so many acronyms. As leaders called upon to speak to our teams, to the public, and to our patients and clients, we must be very careful about the choice of acronyms that we use. If folks don't understand our acronyms like ROI, EBITDA, EMR, CRM, FTCPA, etc., then our messages are missing the target. This is Vito Mazu with Kinem.com, and today I want to share two powerful and positive acronyms, NARUKA and NAOP. In our professional careers, when we are awarded preferred status by a particular person or organization, it's a positive idea to share that with our potential clients. I'm delighted to share a proud moment about NARUCA, the Northeast Regional Urgent Care Association, and NAOP the National Association of Occupational Health Professionals, two outstanding medical organizations. We are thrilled to announce that Kinem Inc. has just been honored with preferred vendor status by both of these outstanding medical entities. They represent two of the fastest-growing segments in medicine. Kinem will be helping them with cash flow management services. We're very grateful for this recognition and would love to tell you more about it. So call me at 800 850 5110. We all want to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Allison Carmen, a business consultant, life coach, and author of The Gift of Maybe, offering hope and possibility in uncertain times. Allison's podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, provides simple tools to reduce daily stress and worry. Allison is here today to discuss why expectations can be a source of suffering. Welcome, Allison. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. Allison, when we expect things to happen and they don't, we can feel disappointed. And, and I know this firsthand. I'm someone who really does expect a lot from other people. And there's a saying that goes, if you don't expect anything, you can't get hurt. Do you believe the expectations that we hold can have a negative impact on how we live our life? Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, expectations are our way to deal with uncertainty. Because deep down, a lot of us are afraid that we're not okay. So we write stories about what needs to happen for us to feel safe. And that's what expectations are. We hold them and they make us feel safe, but they're really just a story. And the trickiest thing about expectations is we don't realize that we think that expectations are making us feel better, but really they create so much dissatisfaction in our lives. And I can even just remember a few weeks back, I took my parents to a Jap- my favorite Japanese restaurant, and I was so excited. And the minute we walked in, my mother looked around, and the place was a little shabby, and she didn't like where she was sitting. And because it wasn't what she expected, because she thought to herself, oh, Allison's taking me to her favorite restaurant, because it didn't look the way that she thought it was going to look, and because the table wasn't where she thought it was going to be, the dissatisfaction kicked in. And as we were eating the food, she was never able to let go of that initial reaction to the restaurant. And that's what happens. Because things are not happening the way we thought, we sit in this satisfaction. And what it really does is it steals the moment. And that's the most poignant thing about expectations is because we're so disappointed we can't see what's in front of us. There could be a miracle happening in front of us and we wouldn't know it. And it's interesting if you speak to people who have had great loss in their lives. They're they're very interesting because they see how their expectations stole that moment. And they have these feelings, if I could just go back and do it again. And we don't want to live like that. The best way to live is to free ourselves and to come into each moment and allow ourselves to see the miracle of the moment. And that's present living. 
And present living is poignant living, it's deep living. And then when we let go of those expectations, we could have an expansive view of all that's happening in our lives. But another thing expectation does, the third thing is that it also creates broken ideas. And that's something we all also need to look at because you could have a business and if you have this expectation that you were going to make all this money, $200,000, $300,000, and it's only making $50,000, if it's a broken idea, what's going to happen is you're not going to be able to see the real success of your business because you're going to be so busy saying, I should have made that kind of money that you won't be able to look at what you have and you won't be able to use it as a springboard to move forward. And I also find sometimes even in broken relationships, people get so caught on the idea of what they thought they would have that sometimes they don't even have a broken heart. It's just a broken idea of how you thought life would be. And when we carry these broken ideas, we can't move forward. We can't live in an expansive way. So what expectations do is they create a story that we think is going to keep us safe. But what they really do is they steal the moment and they don't allow us to see what's really happening in our lives. I can recall a conversation that I had with you recently, and in it I was sharing a story about something that happened in the past, and I said the words to you, so-and-so should have, and before I even finished the sentence, you stopped me and you said, get rid of the should. So how can we learn to expect less? Do you have a technique that you can offer to help us? Yes, I have three steps that I use in my own life and with my clients to try to lessen expectations. And the first one is always awareness. And I find that if I'm aware of my expectations, I'm able to let them go. Because if you think about it, if you could start every day and say, I'm not going to expect anything today. I'm not going to expect what this restaurant's going to be like. I'm not going to expect what my, my relationship with my friend is going to be like. I'm going to have no expectation for what my work day is going to be like. We're not going to constantly be disappointed because we're going to say, I'm just going to be open. I don't know what's going to happen. And it's not like you're giving up your likes and your dislikes, but because you lessen those expectations, you're going to be so present that whatever comes your way, you're going to enjoy and you're going to be open, but you're also going to see so many more possibilities in your life because you don't realize expectations shut us down. It's a limited view of all that can be. And the minute we let it go, we are so available for new possibilities. We are so available for what uncertainty can give us. It's almost like we're walking around with more strength and more trust for ourselves because we're allowing life to unfold. And we're saying, I'm going to be so present, willing, and able to handle what comes my way. And I'm going to be willing to pursue my goals in such an open way that you're going to allow more things to happen for yourself. Another reason why they steal our joy is because they make us think the life we have is always going to be there. We think our husband's always going to be there, our friends are always going to be there, our job is always going to be there. And so we stop seeing the miracles because we think life is always going to be a certain way. And I don't say this to upset people. I say it that it's so sacred every moment of our lives. So if we're able to see the sacredness and let go of how we think it's always going to be, that's when the preciousness comes in. That's when we notice the flowers. We notice the trees. We feel the love that we share with someone because it's so precious because we don't know how long it'll be there and if it'll always be there. So it's not that we live in more fear, but we live in more gratitude and appreciation. And I also just want to go back to this idea of broken ideas, that the expectation makes us hold on to things in our lives that are really not working. And that's what I call the broken idea. It's that we're so sure our lives should have been a certain way that we can't let it go and see what it is today. And life will always change. And things we thought we'd have in our lives, sometimes we don't. And businesses we thought we'd have and partners we thought we'd have, everything always changes. And so we have to be able to let go of the life we thought we were going to have to really embrace the life that's in front of us and to also embrace what could possibly be. So you need to ask yourself, is what's happening in my life real or it's just a broken idea of how I thought it should be? And if we could let go of these ideas and the past and how we thought it could be and the expectations, we will show up so open to have the life that we really want to have. And that's the most important thing. If we could be present, we could be open and we could look into the unknown and say, I'm still okay, and I can handle what's happening. I don't need to expect things. I just need to be open and have faith in myself that no matter what happens, I will still be okay, and life is filled with hope and possibility. Can you apply the concept of maybe to eliminating expectations? 
Absolutely, because deep down we create these expectations because we're afraid that we won't be okay. That's the biggest fear, that we're not safe, that we're not well, that we can't have success. So what this idea of maybe does, it just allows us to cast doubt on our biggest fear. So for me, when a big disappointment happens, when I see I have a broken idea, the first thing that I will say to myself is maybe I'm still okay. Maybe everything is still okay. Maybe what's happening is good. Maybe things will get better. So what it does, it just provides hope and allows me to let go of everything I thought I knew and to realize that just because I don't know doesn't mean that things are not going to be okay. And just because I don't know doesn't mean that that success is not around the corner. Everything we don't know is not our enemy and maybe reminds us of that, maybe allows us to let go of the expectations and to look within ourselves and to look outside of ourselves and know it's all a big maybe, but that is hopeful and that is filled with new possibilities and new opportunities for our life moving forward. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Allison and her work, or if you'd like to listen to her podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, you can visit her website, allisoncarmen.com. And as always, to hear more from Allison, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Allison. We'll be right back. Do you believe that there can be a silver lining from tragedy and that blessings come in disguise? Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. Your attitude determines how you view a situation and how you move through it. A tragedy is defined as an event causing great suffering, destruction, and distress. We understand the meaning of those words. However, I believe that the important component is how we view the situation. What may be a tragedy to one person is nothing more than a bump in the road to another. While we can agree that events such as death, divorce, or job loss create less than desirable circumstances, each can be viewed and handled differently from one person to the next. The key is that person's outlook. There are people who see the glass half full in all situations, and others who see it as half empty. We have a choice about how we view what occurs in our life, and that choice determines how we will transition through a tragic experience. So what is the key to getting through a tragedy? First and foremost, we must recognize that we have a choice in the situation. When a tragedy occurs, often we believe that we are a victim of circumstance and that this will be our lot in life. We think that we will never recover. The key to moving on is to know that you have the power to change the situation. No matter how devastating a circumstance, you have the power to get through it. You are not a victim. The choice is yours. After my mother and sister died and my 23-year marriage ended all within a period of six months, I knew I was at a fork in my life. I could go one way and let the loss and pain defeat me. I could be a victim, or I could go in a different direction and turn the pain into something positive, something with meaning. It was my choice. We all have that choice. Some people create a charity from the loss of a child. Others write books based on their experience, while others make necessary life changes, such as getting sober. Tragedy has the power to transform us. And it provides hidden blessings if we take the time to look for them. I think what is allowable is what you need. Initial hurt, sadness, grief are all normal emotions and they should be felt. Never suppress your feelings. The problem occurs when you allow yourself to stay stuck, when you assume the role of victim. It's important to get help if you cannot get going by yourself. Read books or seek counsel that can help you get your head in the game. Reach out to friends and loved ones. Isolation can make the situation worse. Seek professional assistance if you're overwhelmed, depressed, or have suicidal thoughts. Remember, you're not alone and that you have a choice. It is absolutely okay to feel scared and lonely. Don't ever let someone make you feel less than because you're grieving or in pain. Everyone heals in their own time. There's no right or wrong way to grieve, and there's no timetable. A true friend would want to know what's going on in your life. It's never too much to tell someone you love that you're in trouble and need help. You should never be ashamed. There are blessings in every situation, but sometimes you have to look harder to find them. When my father was dying from cancer, while it was a horrible experience, it was also a gift because when I took him for treatment every day, I really got to know him. We talked and we laughed and we spent precious time together. I had to look for that gift, but now I treasure it. How we experience our life comes from how we view what we experience. As Dr. Wayne Dyer said, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Thanks for spending these minutes with me. For more inspiration and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com.
Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so stay a minimum of six feet away from others and stay home if you can. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. In today's supercharged do-it-now world, convenience is key. Now you can listen to Conversations with Joan at a time that's best for you. Simply visit your favorite podcast site, search for Conversations with Joan, and subscribe. New shows drop every Monday. You can also access the podcast through our website, cyacyl.com. Start your week on a positive note. Listen to Conversations with Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Like it or not, change is inevitable. And when change occurs, we may wonder if we can get through it. My next guest, Iman Al-Zabi, says that responding to the challenges of the modern world is an endurance event and not a sprint. She believes that it's essential that we learn how to swim through the dark waves in order to reach the light. Iman is the author of the book, Finding Grace, Daily Comfort for Uncertain Times. Welcome, Iman. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Joan. So, Iman, tell us about your life. How did you get started on a spiritual path? Well, that's a, 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 a long story, but um, it essentially started when I suffered from anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and, and depression. And it was started with postpartum depression that developed into you know a long period of depression that didn't go away. So from there on, I, I kind of tried to find solutions in the medical world and you know um, my psychologist couldn't help but give me medication and I knew that wasn't the answer so I'd go to him and say I have these thoughts in my head and I want them to stop and he would say you know just make them stop and I'm like you don't know what I'm going through and you don't understand so I realized back then you know I've got to find a way and I've got to take my power back so as soon as I learned about CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, finding ways to change the way I think, I started to feel like, you know what, I feel more empowered now that I, I can, I feel like I have the tools mm-hmm. to conquer these thoughts and work with them. And so that's when my journey started. And then I started to um, learn a little bit about the work of Louise Hay and, and the work of many others. And that's when my journey started into um, practicing energy healing, uh, working with um, trauma release and, and all that that goes with kind of recovering the self. And so, yeah, my journey started with anxiety and panic disorder and then ended up with me finding me again. You know, it, it's interesting because as I'm listening to you, it, it sounds like you're describing my life. I had a very similar path. I had been married for 23 years. I raised my children. I had what seemed to be to the outside world, a very normal, quote unquote, normal life. And then in a period of six months, my marriage ended, my oldest son left for college, my mother died, and my sister died. And I went through all of this grief and loss. And, you know, I had to deal with, with death and divorce and self-esteem issues. And I hadn't worked in the outside world in 17 years. I was raising my family. And so it's very similar to what you went through. I could have taken a pill, but I decided that I wanted to figure out who I was, what I could learn from this experience. And that's where the work that I do came from. Everything that I'm doing is the result of what I went through and the lessons. And it's very similar to what you experienced. So can you share with us a little bit about what you've learned since you started this journey? Yeah, it was mostly me learning that the reason I have that anxiety and panic disorder is because I felt at some level, I betrayed myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I betrayed myself by kind of getting married early, um, having a premature child, studying at that time. It was a lot of social pressure also from my husband's family and all the things that the society wanted me to do and I couldn't do and didn't want to do but perform, right? Mm-hmm. And so in that space, I learned because I wasn't being myself, I, you know, my body was sending those signals, you know, anxiety and the panic and everything else around it was basically saying, you know what, you're, you're not on your right path. You're not on, on, on your true path as being yourself. 
And so that, that was the main lesson for me. So right now, as I know that if I feel like something is off in my psyche, I have to attend to it. So you have to kind of attend to, to your psyche as soon as possible so that it doesn't get in, out of hand at some point, that, it, that grief doesn't take over your life or a sense of loss doesn't take over or despair. Um, practicing those kind of um, inner check-in is a very important thing. And then this is one of the things I talk about in my first book, The Art of Surrender. I talk about knowing the self and understanding what it stands for and its values and, and kind of living in congruence to that. Mm-hmm. That to me is a path to authentic living. I know for most of my adult life, I was just muddling through life, not really paying attention to what anything meant. It, it was really just wake up, do the routine, go to bed, and then get up the next day and start all over. Do you think that's why there are so many people that are suffering today with depression and anxiety disorders because they're not honoring their true self? Oh, absolutely. That to me is, is the key. Like there's, there's always a key and lock and, and there's a key that will unlock. And to me, for the self, as soon as you don't give the self the right environment, the right um, how should I say, the life that it wants to live. And, and because we're not checking in, because we're not asking those questions of ourselves, because we're not kind of staying with ourselves and, and asking about what is our vision, what a life would like to be, and what kind of values do I want to live by? And when I say values, I don't really mean like ethical kind of values. What I mean is things that are, you value as a person. If you value beauty, then that's the thing you would want to live by. So you want to make sure you know, your environment is beautiful. You want to make sure you have a beautiful garden or whatever that is that, that, that pleasures your soul, right? And then um, if you feel like adventure is your thing and, and you're not giving that to yourself, you will always, always betray yourself and feel there's something off and I, there's something missing in my life. And one of the things that I learned and that I strongly believe today is that we need to keep our emotional, our spiritual, and our physical parts in balance. We're some of all of those things. And it's really important to pay attention to each. Absolutely, yeah. So we're living through challenging times today. And, um, you know, people are, are scared. We're dealing with coronavirus around the world. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's really uncharted waters for most of us. How can someone find that balance that we just talked about? I think it's about what I'm seeing right now and what the world is going through is is really a removal of the mask. Mm -hmm. Even though we're putting an actual mask, but we're removing another mask, which is a mask that we put on for years of pretending to be someone we're not or of pretending that, you know, we we want to do this thing in life. But then at the time of retreat, when we come back in, um, we are starting to really uh, um, look at life differently. Like, you know, when, when you face death and when you face loss, when you face challenges, everything kind of becomes clear and everything becomes small. You know, the, the, the boyfriend that you cared about for so long, <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore, right? Right. Or, or you know, the, the thing that you always wanted to you know impress or the friend that you wanted to compare yourself to doesn't really matter anymore this is a time when when the virtues inside of us when it come out this is a time when our values when it come out this is a time of us redeeming ourselves and coming forth to our true full self and when i say that it doesn't mean you're going to live a life of no challenges at all or if you're going to live a life that you're not going to be uh, in, a, in a state of pain of any kind. That just goes with life. Life is always um, in cycles and it's, there's always that element. There's always polarity in life, right? But it's about how strong can you feel inside? How resilient can you feel inside? How uh, um, anti-fragile you are mm-hmm. Inside, just because you have gone through the journey of self-discovery, just because you have known your values, just because you have connected to yourself, to nature, and to God. To me, those are the three most important relationships. 
and we're being forced to be with ourself and slow down and, and quiet all of the noise. And I love what you said, the removal of the mask, even though we're wearing a mask. I think that that just says it all. And even though we're all experiencing a lot of pain, I think that there are so many blessings that can be found during this time. And, and you just said it so eloquently. Oh, absolutely. And I noticed that in my family, like, you know, when we are in, um, this is the first Ramadan that I've witnessed without me being with my extended family or being at the mosque or, you know, performing our prayer in communion. Um, it was hard to, to be in that space. But what I noticed is that our family started to carry on with its rituals regardless, right? So we did it in very, very small circle. And my husband took the lead, um, and I took the lead in other things, and my kids took the lead in other things. So it was beautiful to witness that happening in the family. And also to to find each other, because we've always been busy as, as adults and individuals. I found my husband, my husband found me, and I found my children, and they found me. And to me, that was the greatest blessing. The book is Finding Grace, Daily Comfort for Uncertain Times. Iman, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you, Joan, for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Gail Gruenberg, CPOCD, Chief Executive Organizer of Let's Get Organized. As a professional organizing firm that specializes in serving clients who are chronically disorganized, we help people organize their lives as well as their homes. Are you or do you have a student starting college this fall? Here are a few organizing tips to make the transition a bit smoother. Bring only the bare essentials. Dorm rooms are small. Remember the adage, a place for everything and everything in its place. Make creative use of the space available by storing things under the bed and on the walls. Create zones for studying, snacking, sleeping, and personal care. Bring a shower caddy. Use a planner to record everything, like test dates, paper due dates, study sessions, activity meetings, sports practices, time to do laundry, and so forth. Block off prep time, the time it takes to do the activity, and time for transitioning to the next activity. Color code by activity or class. Doing your laundry and putting it away, rather than throwing everything on the floor, makes for a good roommate experience. Empty your backpack at the end of each day and prepare it for the next one. I'm Gail Gruenberg, and I can help bridge the gap between wanting to get organized and actually doing it. If you want to get organized for college success, call me at 201-364-6833 or visit my website, lgorganized.com. When deciding to list your home for sale, the goal is to sell your home at the highest price possible within the shortest period of time. Making sure that your home sells fast is an important part of this process because it makes sure that you net the most money possible. Hi, my name is Danielle Grosso from my team, GC Properties New Jersey, within Keller Williams Realty, here to share four tips with you on how to sell your home faster and at the highest price. One, make buyers feel at home by decluttering your home. Pack away all personal items like pictures, awards, and sentimental belongings. Two, since you took the time to declutter, keep it organized. Before the buyers show up, pick up toys, make the beds, clean and put away the dishes. Three, give buyers full access. Some buyers, especially those relocating, don't have much time available. If they can't get into your house right away, they might move on to the next one, and you don't want to miss the opportunity. Four, and most importantly, price it right. With all the competition coming onto the market, you want to make sure your home is noticed. By pricing it to sell immediately, your home will be seen by the greatest amount of buyers, might get multiple offers, and will sell above the asking price. Wouldn't that be great? If you want to sell your home in the least amount of time, at the best price, with as little hassle as possible, a local realtor is a useful guide. Call them today to find out what you need to do to get your home sold. And if you have any further questions about real estate, whether that be buying, selling, or investing, please visit our website, gcpropertiesnj.com and click the contact button. I'd love to connect. We live in a world where 
Everybody wants to get it right. We're trying to get our jobs right, our lives right, relationships. As parents, we try to raise good kids and make sure that they can have a life that's right. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson. Quality for Life Coaching is my practice, and I see so many clients talk about this. The most important thing that you can contribute to anyone, whether it's a sibling or a parent or a child or at work, colleague, self-esteem. People need self-esteem, and that comes from the inside out. So they need to feel good about themselves for them to ever reach their potential and have a great life. So I would offer this as a takeaway for parents, and then you can apply it to any relationship, which is unconditionally appreciate someone. And that is how they get self-esteem from the inside out. You notice someone for doing nothing just because they're there. So if you walk by someone and say, I'm just glad you're there. I'm just glad you're my son. I'm just glad that I'm visiting you, mom and dad. I love being here with you. If you notice people just because you walk by them and say, I love your energy in this house with me, they feel they've been witnessed and appreciated for just existing. And that is something that's a gift that you can give and change someone else's life. I'm Lindsay Levinson, qualityforlifecoaching.com. Look me up. In today's supercharged do-it-now world, convenience is key. Now you can listen to Conversations with Joan at a time that's best for you. Simply visit your favorite podcast site, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or Google. Search for Conversations with Joan and subscribe. New shows drop every Monday. You can also access the podcast through our website, cyacyl.com. Start your week on a positive note. Listen to Conversations with Joan. your health. Joining me today is Mark Anthony, the founder of Prospect Fitness located in Brooklyn, New York. Mark is also the vice president of operations for Diet Typing Systems, an online personalized diet therapy system. He's here today to discuss the importance of core strength. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Joan. Thanks for having me on today. So, Mark, we hear so much about the importance of strengthening the core. Where is our core located? Our core is actually a pretty large system of our body. Most people think that it is just the, about the six inches around our belly buttons, but it is actually from our knees all the way up to our shoulders, both in the front and the back. So you can see that it's a pretty big system and a pretty large part of our body. So what's the primary function of the core? The primary function of the core is really to provide a stable platform for which the arms and legs to move from. It also really helps to prevent uh, anti-rotation and prevent force when being applied, especially in heavier, vigorous activities. So from your experience, what are common problems that you see people presenting regarding their core? A lot of people really have core stability issues. Um, In exercises, I often see their hips shift to the left or the right when we place them on the ground, and especially in three-point stance. And without the ability to have that bracing and provide for stabilization, a lot of the arm and leg strength loses power. So many of us, whenever we think of strengthening the core, we think of sit-ups. We think that's the only way to get this job done, but you're not really fond of sit-ups. Why? I'm not really fond of sit-ups because that's not the way that the core functions in the regular part of everyday life. Probably the only time that we really do something that mimics a sit-up throughout the day is when we get out of bed. But the core is used every day in life, especially when we're walking, we're jogging, we're exercising. And that's really when the core comes into into play, especially if we're trying to lift heavier things. That's really when core strength and core stability is going to protect you and keep you safe throughout the day. Mark, many people want a flat belly. What's the best way to achieve this? The best way to achieve this is still the going back to doing full body strength, concentrating roughly trying to get into a workout routine, trying to take cardio about 30 to 45 minutes per day, about five days a week, with two days of full body strength training on top of that. Full body strength training will, will strengthen the whole body the way that it's supposed to be. Mark, thank you so much for being here with us today. Where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? As always, you can visit our website, prospectfitness.com. 
Again, that's prospectfitness.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Many of us have spent more time video conferencing in the last few months than we ever have. I believe this will lead to more video conferencing in the future. Are you ready? This is Susan McLaughlin from SMC Ventures. Video conferencing has become the new way to communicate for businesses, doctor visits, happy hours with friends, and family get-togethers. There are a lot of platforms out there, including new ones added by Facebook and Google, but the majority of people have been using FaceTime and Zoom. Here are three quick tips for making the best of your face-to-face in online meetings. One, be engaged. There is nothing worse than hosting a meeting of people who either show up late, are eating full meals while we all watch, or who don't show up on video and just have a name or a photo hanging out there. It makes you wonder, are they really listening? So if you're going to be on, please be engaged. Two, do a test run. Before you get on a big meeting, jump on that platform if you can and test your speaker and microphone. How do you sound? Is there someplace you can sound better while you're on the video? How do you look? Is there some lighting around that could help illuminate your face so people can see you better? And finally, what are you wearing that can be seen on screen? You would be surprised how wide some of those camera shots really are. Three, be kind. We're not all tech wizards. We forget that we have to unmute our audio when we're talking. Sometimes we don't have a nice space to sit in and the background isn't really what we want it to be. So be kind to others. The next time, it could be you sitting in your laundry room. If you need help with your social media for business, give us a call. You can check out our website at smcventures.biz or visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. I want to be riding my bike. But at this moment, he's fighting leukemia. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is saving lives with pioneering research and care. And we'll never have to pay St. Jude for anything. Please take a moment and visit stjude.org today. joining us, I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.